Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 122 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramley John, and it is the last episode of 2020. And today we are going to be talking all about Facebook ads with my buddy, Dwayne here. Now, imagine advertising tool that helps you reach your ideal customer based on what they like, their interests, and their behaviors precisely. That's what you get with Facebook advertising, a platform used by many e-commerce entrepreneurs and marketers. In this episode, Dwayne Brown, a founder and head of strategy at Take Some Risk, shares his strategy for helping dozens of e-commerce and D2C brands scale their business using Facebook ads. In episode 122, you'll learn first why Dwayne suggests to diversify your marketing channel early on. Second, how to launch profitable with Facebook ads for e-commerce brands. And third, what types of Facebook ad campaigns are the most profitable now? Now, before we jump in, I have created a free growth cheat sheet with all the actionable tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. Why take notes about this episode when you can just steal mine? Go to growtoday.fm forward slash 122 to get it now. You can find that link in the description of the show of whatever podcast app you use. Now get it now because when I publish the next episode in a couple of weeks, this week's cheat sheet will be gone. I also want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now this folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. Thanks to 42 Agency. Now 42 Agency works with high growth B2B SaaS companies helping them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. Learn more and get $500 in free consulting time at growtoday.fm forward slash 42 or find that link in the description of the show. Well, enough about me. Let's jump in my chat with Dwayne. So, hey, everybody. I'm excited to have Dwayne here. He is the founder of Take Some Risk, which is an agency. How are you doing, Dwayne? How are things with you this morning? Yeah, things are great. I mean, I'm based in Montreal, so, you know, it's not sunny today, but it was sunny the last couple oh. of days. Uh, the rest of our team is in Vancouver, and it's been sunny the last week there. So I'm I'm doing pretty good for us as a whole. Yeah, it's also very sunny here today. I mean, I heard it's going to rain. I'm based out of Toronto, so, you know, like we're only, you know, a stone's throw away from Montreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's close by. But I mean, if you're getting sun, that means my mom has sun, so I'm, I'm happy for that because I know she likes the sun. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. I, I'm excited to talk about paid ads, and you know, I notice you work at different places. I I want to hear your story first. I, you know, can you share a little bit about your story about you know how you got to starting take some risk and what is what is your focus with take some risk? Totally. Uh, three and a half years ago, more or less to the day, I, I quit my job because I was unhappy. I was working at a tech company called Unbounce, and I just knew that the changes I wanted to see to help us grow and be a better company weren't going to happen. Uh, so I decided to quit. I had a couple freelance clients on the side and I was like, well, I'll give this a year. If I can make enough money to support myself, you know, why go back to like an office and, and work for other people where you can't, you know, affect change because there's politics and, and optics and people care more about politics and optics than doing what's the actual right thing. Uh, and so then a year turned into three and a half years um, but I was really able to do all that I'm doing now because, you know, I spent seven months living in Australia, working for a telecom down there. 
I spent a couple years living in London, England, working for brands like ASOS and Jack Wills, which is British inspired Hollister. Um, and working on those brands really helped me um, understand larger data sets and work on things on a global scale because, you know, ASOS is 17 different countries, four different languages, managing a team. And Jack Wills is, you know, Europe and North America while managing stuff in, in APAC um, as they open new stores. And so all of that really helped me get to where I am now, where I can like take on clients and our team can take on clients and, and bring more of a global view set versus I've lived in the same city all my life and our whole team is, is five white straight guys who don't like know anything beyond their purview because, you know, our teams lived in multiple cities beyond me. You know, we have our designer who's, you know, Chilean born, Irish raised, Vancouver based, and our other media person, Vinny, is, you know, Brazilian, speaks Portuguese, obviously, based in Vancouver as well. And our global perspective helps us win as a team uh, just to understand other people and culture. Um, and it's been three years. Things are going great. We won a whack of clients last month. We're on a roll for June this month, and we're just trying to keep our momentum going. That's good to hear. And so, you know, just based on the, that story, you're real. Are you focused on like mainly D two C direct to consumer brands at the moment? Yeah, yeah. I was actually doing the math this morning when I got up because uh, I asked myself that very question. Uh, so, ninety percent of our business is e commerce D two C. So it's about a fifty fifty split between e commerce and D two C. And the difference, you know, for us really is e commerce would be. Brands that either, you know, they go to pop-up shows or they have retail stores. Or they basically do something that isn't just their website as a sales channel. Uh, and then the other 10% of our business, because of my background, you know, the other half of my background outside of e-commerce is tech and SaaS. Is we just always have like tech or SaaS clients. We're working with a fintech client right now in San Fran. Um, that's going really well. And I think the fintech space is like very similar to e-commerce because you're asking someone to like make a transaction uh, and give you, in this case, just large sums of money, which which is very difficult. It's like when someone reaches the last step of buying an e-commerce site, you've got to convince them to like hit that pay now. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting from like a psychological standpoint. Outside of fintech, I'm curious what the difference is between running paid ads for mainly a traditional B2B SaaS company versus more e-commerce D2C. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm guessing the creatives would be different, but are there any other differences in terms of how you would run paid campaigns for the two of them? Yeah, I think when you have B2B and SaaS, there, there's multiple decision makers usually. There's a person who sees you know, the ads obviously and clicks on it and may influence the decision, but they may not be the person who signs off on it. It may be, you know, the CMO or director of marketing. It may be finance. You know, when I've worked in-house, there's usually whoever my boss was above me or the CMO, and then somebody in finance has to sign off on, on whatever purchase I want to make. Um, so there's like lots of different stakeholders. The big difference between sort of e-com and sort of B2B tech SaaS sound, which sometimes people don't, you know, think about or understand. They just make an ad that works for one person or they make a landing page that works for one person, but you've got to usually convince two or three people to make a purchase unless it's a super small organization. And then the other thing is usually there's just less keywords to bid on, less targeted options. You know, whether it's Facebook or Google, there's just less options to go after B2B people, um, especially if it's a product that could be bought um, B2B or, you know, B2C. Oftentimes those keywords will be very similar. It's not easy to distinguish between someone who wants to buy, you know, one light for their kitchen versus somebody who wants to buy a hundred lights for their office. And so that's the, that's the big difference at times. Mm, that totally makes sense. I want to talk more about paid channels for D2C. So let's say like an e-commerce D2C brand comes to you, they're looking to explore paid. Where would you begin to help them out with that? Yeah, that varies 
you know, from client to client, obviously, mm. you know, most clients come to us and they're already doing something. Sometimes oh. they're, they're just doing Facebook. Sometimes they're just doing Google. Um, it's rare anyone comes to us and they're not doing anything. Um, we do have a couple clients like that who are not doing anything. And that's more because, you know, they've hired other people, other agencies in the past and they, they weren't successful and successful in the sense like continuing to get sales on a regular basis. That's, you know, somewhat at profitable, if not break even. Um, and when those clients come to us and not doing anything, we kind of like examine the product, you know, try to understand, do we think people are going to search for this product? If we do think people are going to search for it, you know, we'll say, let's start on Google, do Google shopping. Um, if we don't think people are going to search for the product because maybe it's not something that people search for, then we say, okay, well, let's try out potentially uh, Facebook. You know, if we're going after parents, we might especially say go after Facebook because there's some very good interest targeting for parents on Facebook that might be worth trying. Um, and then once we have that channel to the point that we can kind of predict what sales are going to be on any given week and any given weekend, and we feel comfortable with like the return on ad spend, you know, then we'll say, okay, let's go let's go to Facebook if we started out on Google or let's go to Google if we started out on Facebook, get those going and then figure out, you know, where else can we expand to? You know, we never want a client to be reliant on one channel because I think we've all learned the lesson at least we should have over the last 15 years that uh, Facebook will always do what's in its best interest. And if that means turn off traffic, increase in bids and Google's no better, uh, they will do those things because it's in their best interest because they know they have you and you can't go anywhere else, you know, quote unquote, to, to get traffic beyond just going to Google. I want to explore that piece a little bit on how you get people to to the point where their return on ad spend is, you know, a, a profitable. Like, how do you explore like creatives and copy and, uh, and particularly for Facebook and Instagram first? Yeah, you know, when we start with clients, you know, our general rule that we go with as a framework is we'll take two or three pieces of ad copy, you know, each piece of ad copy, you know, hangs on a unique selling point, you know, is your product, we don't usually like to use price, but if the only differentiator is price, we'll go with price, but is your product, you know, better quality? Is it made out of a special material? Like we have a client that does bamboo PJs, you know, the fact that it's made out of bamboo and it's a better piece of material than cotton, even organic cotton is, is a selling point for us. Um, you know, once we figure out what those two pieces of copy or three pieces of copy, we'll take, you know, three to five images that we think really resonate with the brand and, and connect with the ad copy. And we'll just run a test and see, you know, which piece of copy and images get people to add to cart. And especially on Facebook, you know, your unique add to cart cost is how you know you've got potentially a win in ad. If you can't get people to add to the shopping cart, you can spend all the money you want, but you're just never going to make it work. And that's something people don't understand. If your add to cart cost is, let's say, $20, but your average order value is only $150, you're probably not going to have a very profitable ad. At $150 average order value, you probably need closer to $15, if not $10 add to cart in order to get enough add to cart so you can get enough checkout, get enough checkout so you can get a purchase that where it's profitable and you're going to make money. Because even if your average order value is $150, Every brand's going to have people who only spend $100 or $75. Yes, there are people who will spend three or $400, but you know, there's always going to be people below and above that number. So you need enough ad to cart to get checkouts, to get purchases. And that's something that some agencies don't look at. They just like look at the purchase column, say that, hey, we just need to spend more money, spend more money. But if you spent $1,000 and you don't have anyone adding to the shopping cart, spending more money is not going to get you there. Yeah. That, that makes so much sense. So what I'm understanding is that you're creating a custom conversion in, in Facebook and the con conversion is adding to cart versus, you know, some people might run a campaign and their first conversion, their comp campaign they're looking at is to getting people to make a purchase. Uh, 
No. So let me, I'll explain it in a different way. So there actually is a column in Facebook called add to cart. So you can just like, you can just add that call custom column, um, to your view. And there is a column actually where you can look at add to cart cost as well. Um, and we still set like our campaigns to optimize for purchase. It's just right. when we build out our view, we build out a view that says like, you know, what are our clicks, what are our impressions, what are our click through rate, mm. what are our costs? And then how many people have added to the cart? How many people have checked out? How many people purchased? So we have this view right. where we're trying to like look at the whole funnel. Um, so you actually don't need to build a, a custom conversion or anything right. like that. It's all in Facebook. It's just a lot of agencies we find and clients we talk to is like, oh, no one told me what my you know, add to cart cost was, right? We talked to a, a D2C brand on Tuesday and he's like, well, what do we do to analog? I'm like, you spend in $27 on your add to cart cost. Your average order value is basically 150 bucks. You you can't make this profitable. Like, there's nothing mm. you can do. This is why your return on ad spend is is one and a half, two dollars. Uh, and he's like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, it does make sense, but no one ever mm. talks about it. Like, like people say, you know, I worked at Facebook or whatever, but you ask them what their add to cart cost is, and they'll give you a blank spare all the time because it's not something Facebook talks about. Facebook doesn't care about your add to cart cost. Facebook cares that you just spend money, and that's not yeah. good enough. When we come back in just a moment, Dwayne shares which types of campaigns are the most profitable right now. Just a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. A 42 Agency works with high-growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. They've worked with some amazing companies like OnFleet, HubDoc, GuestLogic, FlexDate, and more. And to top it off, I actually know the founder of 42 Agency, Camille Rexton, and he knows his stuff. So go reach out to him. You can He's actually offering a free $500 consulting time for Growth Today listeners. You can visit them at growtoday.fm forward slash 42 or find the link in the description. It'll redirect to their, this special offer. One more thing, don't forget to download the free growth cheat sheet for this episode. It has all the actionable tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. Why take notes when you can just steal mine? You can take all the actionable tips from this episode and apply it to your business to accelerate the growth even faster. You can find the link in the description of this show. Download it now before I take it away because it'll only be up until next week. Well, enough about this. Let's jump back into my chat with Dwayne. I'm curious, do you, are most of your campaigns conversion campaigns? Do you look at other types of campaigns like, uh, I don't know, brand campaign or click campaign or even uh, video watch campaign? Like it's, it's most of the campaigns you're running for D2C mainly because uh, conversion campaigns. Yeah, I mean, they're all conversion campaigns. We don't run mm. traffic. We don't run reach. Mm. We don't run frequency. The only time we might do one of those is like if a client said to me, hey, where we want to run an in-store campaign, right? And so in-store campaign would likely be reach or traffic. So that makes sense. Or we're having some sort of in-store promotion in like a small area around our store. Okay, that makes sense to potentially do like a traffic or reach. But every client we optimize mm -hmm. towards purchases, even when we ran a video ad the last couple of days for Father's Day for a client, we had a video in one of the assets. We still ran it towards a purchase because mm. that's what we cared about. Yeah. Uh, and ironically, that video actually did the best between all the different ad units we had. We had like <laughs> GIFs and video. We had some static ads. We did some stuff on Facebook. We did some stuff on Instagram. And the video did the best, which is shocking because video is usually not... Um, a way to drive sales and obviously right. the fact that we had like i think it was 15 percent off or something like that for father's day helped but it was interesting to see that the sort of gif video did really well interesting really interesting 
Um, in in terms of the uh, other types of ads, like let's say Snap ads, um, mm-hmm. what are you know which business should be looking at at that, and you know how can they really start with launching a Snapchat ad? Yeah, so I mean, Snap is trying to mirror themselves, I think, in a lot of ways off Facebook. You know, they have a lot of similarities. You know, they both have a 28-day attribution and a one-day view. You know, they both try to look at things from a, a funnel perspective. So similar to Facebook, you still want to look at your ad to cart cost on Snap. You know, you'd want to install your shopping feed, set up your pixels, set up your ad account, do all that stuff. Um, and when we start on Snap with clients, we always start at, you know, quote unquote, the bottom of the funnel. So we'll start with remarketing. So whether it's remarketing people who've been to your website or remarketing mm. to people who've, you know, initiated checkout, added to the shopping cart, you know, because we feel if people have been to your website or they've initiated checkout, added to the shopping cart, and we can't get them to convert on any channel, whether it's Facebook, Snap, whatever, then maybe that channel is not right for your brand right now. It doesn't mean it won't be right for your brand in six months or three months, but at least right now, maybe it's not right for your brand if you don't have other creative you can test and try out. Um, we found with most of our clients on Snap, uh, video does a lot better than static ads. Mm. So if you've got video that's done well on Facebook in the past or in general, you know, try to lean into video a lot more. Uh, and then Snap has what they call Snap ads and then story ads. So basically a Snap ad is between you know, people's stories when you're talking with your friends. Uh, and then a story ad is in what's called the discovery section of Snap. And that's kind of like Snap's news and entertainment section. It's where like right. Will Smith's TV show shows up and other people's TV shows. Uh, and the story ad is kind of like Instagram. It's like a separate channel. So having a Snap ad won't get you in the story section uh, where discovery is. And so we always tell clients, if you've got you know, the creative in terms of video and you can make what, what essentially is a tile or a cover image, you know, try to run a story ad in the discover section because it's not competitive. It's usually pretty cheap. Um, if you've got a great image and great video asset, you can stand out and acquire more traffic and then not just be, you know, a brand that only does snap from a story ad perspective, which is like only being on Facebook. And you don't only want to be on Facebook, you want to be on mm. Facebook, Instagram. So on snap, you want to be on the story section and you want to be on the snap section. Mm. Are you finding that I'm curious which one you find is most and it probably depends on the type of DTC brand, but like, you know, which one's on average more expensive or much cheaper in terms of driving purchases or even driving impressions? You know, Snap. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if you take things at face value, you would say yeah. that Snap is just far cheaper because it's less competitive. Yeah. You know, I think the challenge, and we, we talk about this all the time, is the one-day view on Snap maybe gives it too much credit. You know, if there's mm. a way for us to dial down that one-day view to, you know, six hours, four hours, it'd be interesting to see what that CPA is. It's, I still think it'd be very competitive, Um but we're unsure because we can't change, you know, easily change that one day view. Um, but, you know, even with that, we tell clients like just to put all your eggs in one basket and just be on, you know, Facebook and Instagram, you know, isn't great. Because if Facebook makes a change tomorrow and torpedes your whole business, what are you, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, that totally makes sense. In terms of other channels that you're exploring, what are like things that people should be looking out for? Should they be looking at TikTok with, with the TikTok ads or should they looking be looking at, you know, WeChat? Like what, what are other platforms that you're looking forward to, you know, learning more and potentially getting some of your clients on? Yeah, I mean, we definitely, we try to, we chatted with the TikTok team the last couple of weeks. We've got like an agency account now and stuff so we can run ads for clients. We've had a few brands approach us about TikTok and 
we told them we don't think it's a good idea because they weren't really doing anything on Google on Facebook. They were like spending literally a couple hundred dollars a month. And I'm like, how about you build up one of these two platforms first? Mm. Um, because they're a little bit more consistent. They're a little bit more mature as a platform. And then we can talk about doing Snap or TikTok. Um, but we are definitely looking at TikTok, I think, as more of a top of funnel. So more like yeah. Pinterest, where we're not necessarily looking for the conversion as our first goal. Our first goal is to get quality traffic. And then our second goal is to get a purchase. Because you know the challenge with lots of sites sometimes is you just need more quality traffic so you can do remarketing, so you can like you know, mm. get more people into your funnel in general. So we're definitely looking at TikTok outside of Snap. Uh, and then we do do Pinterest once in a while for clients when it makes sense. You know, Pinterest is heavy on the parent angle. So if you're into parents, travel, beauty, things of that nature, Pinterest is a great platform. Um, but we only have so many clients sort of in travel, beauty, or target parents. Mm, okay. I, I kind of missed the, one of the biggest platform, Google. What are stuff that's working Google right now? Is it shopping campaigns? Is it, is it like text ads? Is it display retargeting what's working right now for google for d2c yeah i mean shopping obviously works for anybody in d2c or e-com like it, it's just it's like printing money right now <laughs> um but what we tell every client and we tell it more and more and it needs to be really shy to say this like if your current agency or freelancer or even the person in-house is not optimizing your shopping feed then just fire them buy them right now because you can't run a shopping campaign if you're not touching the shopping feed. Like the shopping feed is literally 80% of your work. So not to touch it is like basically you might as well light money on fire or pay me $100,000 and then have me do no work because that's what you're doing. You're just wasting your money. Uh, so shopping 100%. Search ads still are really valuable. We always do search ads for clients. It never not, not makes sense to do search ads. And then from there, uh, Google has what's called discovery ads. So those can kind of mm. work sometimes. There's still Gmail ads, which aren't as effective as they used to be, but they're still optional. Uh, we always do remarketing, whether it's remarketing on shopping, search, you know, display. We don't do tons of display outside of remarketing because the traffic um, that Google will send you is usually pretty garbage. And they try to also send a lot of your display traffic to apps and ads and things of that nature. And so if your ad shows up on an app, it's probably going to be trash traffic. So we don't do tons mm. of display unless it's remarketing and dynamic remarketing at that because we don't want to waste clients' money. And there are other opportunities out there where we could spend that money and not have to like spend hours a week trying to comb through lists of like which website was good, which website was bad, <laughs> which is like a waste of everybody's time, quite frankly. That's good to know. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk uh, what, what's happening in the world with, with the pandemic. What's... You know, I'm guessing a lot of, you know, a few e-commerce or DTC brands are making a killing at the moment with people stuck at home. In terms of ad campaigns, you know, what's what's been like the biggest winner in uh, at this moment with, with what's happening with COVID? And what can DTC brands do going forward to make sure that they continue um, winning <laughs> in this period? Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, we've got clients, like I mentioned, the bamboo pajamas. We have like a dirt bike client. We sell kids' clothes, kids' toys, anything targeting parents or anything sort of in the exercise, you know, cosmetic beauty industry has done really well. And so across all those, our clients have done really well. Um, our clients that maybe sell higher end price point products have not done as well because people aren't spending you know, X amount of dollars per order to buy a high-end top they can't wear anywhere. And for a lot of our clients, it's been about 
you know, changing her messaging, recognizing that people are stuck at home. This is the one time that anyone can say, I literally know what people are doing because they're stuck at home. They literally have no choice unless they're going to break, you know, the lockdown rules and laws and curfews. Um, So if you've not changed your ad copy to match the fact that people are stuck at home and empathize with that, for lack of a better word, then you missed out a great opportunity to like connect with people and get them to buy your product and tell them why your product can help them during the lockdowns. Or clients have just like seen massive growth in the last two and a half months, which has been great. You know, but now as we enter June and lots of people have started to like, you know, exit lockdown or at least enter phase one, you know, I think we're seeing a shift where we need to like rethink about our copy of like post lockdown, if you will, you know, helping people get out of like whatever their habit was the last two and a half months, if it was not a habit they're going to keep and have messaging that talks about like how your product can, you know, help them sort of get back to, you know, some sort of normal life in the sense of, you know, if they have to go into an office or if they have to send their kids to school or they have Mm. to like, you know, put on work clothes again because they've got to, you know, go to their job that is now, now open if they worked in like a restaurant or something like that. So I think we've shifted from pure pandemic messaging to like post pandemic messaging a bit. And I think it's just a case by case basis with each brand to figure out what's going to do. And this, and this is across both Google and Facebook for our clients, like clients who've done well in Google during the pandemic have also done well on Facebook. And it was just like scale, scale, scale as much as you can to maintain profitability and sell as many, you know, dirt bikes, pajamas, toys, kids clothes, because people are, even I have shopped like there's no tomorrow. I bought more in the last two months than I probably bought all of last year. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I probably bought more online than I've usually bought online. Uh, in the Yeah, in the past two years, like you said. I want to talk a little bit about what's happening in in politics as well. I, you know, one of the topics you suggested was how politics is connected to marketing and running ads. I'm curious what your view is on that. How how is politics connected to you know running ads and and marketing? Yeah, I mean everything's political. Let's let's first get off of that statement. Mm-hmm. That's just the fact. I mean everything comes back to money, and money is politics. People want to keep the power and the money they currently have. But I think what, what's especially interesting with what's going on around the world is you're seeing lots of brands, you know, put out messaging of like they care about black people with a capital yeah. B or, or Black Lives Matter. You know, then people find, you know, NFL is a great example. Yeah. You know, the NFL says they care about it, but then like <laughs> three years ago, they're telling people you, you can't kneel. If you're going to kneel, you got to stay in the change room. And so like, unless you've changed the rules and laws, your organization has put in place to, to stop black people or people of color or indigenous people from exercising their rights, or you've just done quite frankly, stupid shit that obviously people (laughs) can find on Twitter in two seconds. Don't be putting up black squares. Don't be acting like you care because people will call you out. It's just not, just not going to make sense. And so if you're a brand right now, you got to think about like, should we say something? Because it's also Pride Month in June. It's Indigenous yeah. Month this month. Are you going to support all three movements going on right now? You know, when do you change one square from another? When do you support one organization to another? Wow. So don't support it just because it's quote unquote trendy right now. Support it because those are actually the values of the organization. And if you don't have a person of color or a black person in your senior leadership or in your company, well, then you've got way more work to do than putting up a black yeah. square. You've got to like start mm-hmm. from square one and figure out why is your company all white? Why is there no one in senior leadership that's a person of color? You know, I often talk about uh, Beyonce and she said no to a sports brand because everyone on the team was white. He said, we're going to make you a global brand, but no one in the room was a person of color. Well, the world isn't all white. There are Asian people, there are black people, there are indigenous people, there are other people of color. And so if your team going to work with someone famous and there's no one of color on that team, that's a problem. And if you don't see that as a problem, well, then I don't know how you're going to sell something globally when you don't have a global perspective of the world. Mm. 
Wow, that's such a good point, especially with the NFL. You're right. Like they, you know, the commissioner hasn't even mentioned uh, Kaepernick's name uh, during his apology. So it's like really like, are you serious about that? Are you serious about that, dude? Oh, he is serious. He wants. He wants to like. He wants to like make it seem like he cares. But we know he doesn't care. You know, I saw. I saw the post by. I don't watch NASCAR, but a lot of people tweeted NASCAR. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. like like the Confederate flag, and I'm like, that's good on them. That's good on. It's good on NASCAR. I mean, I don't. I don't know what NASCAR's done in the past, but I'm like, if this. This aligns with what they've done historically. I think this is a great call. That's funny. I think this morning or last night that one of the drivers was like, that's messed up. I'm not driving for NASCAR again. I'm like, whoa, like you got your NASCAR has more serious work to do with 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 their with some of their drivers. Right. Like they they're uh, they're supporters of that. Yeah, totally. I want to shift gears uh, one last time and start wrapping up. One of the questions I love asking is if you had one piece of advice to you know, D2C brands or D2C marketers on paid campaigns, what would be that one piece of advice? Okay, so I'm going to break that rule and give you two pieces of advice. No, I, that's I, great. Go for it. I got to. <laughs> uh, one, Do it. You know, you've always got to treat, whether you work in an agency or in house, you got to treat the people's money like it's your own. Like if you blew a thousand dollars tomorrow, how would you feel? So that's how I always think about things. That's how our team thinks about things. Uh, and the other thing you got to think about is like, you got to care about the numbers and understand how the technology works. We can only do what we do as an agency because we understand how the technology works. When clients come to us with an idea or they have a pitch, uh, and we tell them we can't do something, they usually push back. And I tell them, I'm not telling you can't do it because we don't want to do it though sometimes we don't want to do something, usually we can't do it because we can't technically do it. It's, it's impossible, your idea. And so if you want to be good right now, treat money that you're spending like it's your own, but also understand how the technology works down to like how things are connected, what will work, what won't work, how do the algorithms work? Because when you understand how the technology works, you can run better campaigns and push things beyond their limit. We're only good at what we do as an agency because we understand the technology deeply and we can like understand whether something's possible or not and run better campaigns campaigns for our clients. Mm, that's so good. No, it really is. And, and one final question, where can people find out about you online? And also where can people find out more about uh, Take Some Risk if they're interested in hiring you as their paid campaign uh, agency? Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, take some risk.com. There's no S on risk. Uh, and then obviously you can just go to like Twitter. So I'm on Twitter. It's just Dwayne Brown, uh, D U A N E and Brown like the color. Um, I spend probably way more time than I should on Twitter, <laughs> but that is probably the two best places is our website or Twitter. Uh, I mean, if you're on Reddit, then the PPC subthreaded works as well, but, oh. um, not everybody's on Reddit. So I'll just say Twitter and our website. I haven't talked about Reddit. <laughs> get, get, maybe before we go, have you run any Reddit ads for DTC brands and how did that go? We've not run any for D2C mm. brands. We've done it for like our fintech clients and usually it's more about like awareness and getting their name mm. out there. Though I think if you wanted something that was similar to Reddit and your D2C, then I'd look at Quora ads because wow. you can target people by like the questions they're asking and tons of brands will ask or tons of people will ask, you know, what's the best mattress? What's the best XYZ product? There are so many questions about people asking for That's recommendations great. on Quora that if you're a D2C, it's a place you should be if, if you have no issues bidding on your competitor's name or bidding on a category uh, because people are asking questions on Quora like there's no tomorrow. That's a good point. Well, that's a good place to, to end things. Thanks so much for your time, Dwayne. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. It's a great time. Well, that's it for this episode. That's it for the last episode of 2020. I'll be taking a week 
break and then we'll be back in January, the first Thursday of January. I want to remind you to download the cheat sheet for this episode. It's a one-page PDF with all the actionable tips from this episode. Why take notes when you can just steal mine? Go to growtoday.fm forward slash 122 to get it now. You can also find this link in the description of the show. Before I end, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode. Camille has just been so great with this and just really supporting the show. I want to show love back to him by really like talking how great he's working with really amazing high growth B2B SaaS companies and he helps them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that really scales demand generation and pipeline growth. To learn more and get $500 in free consulting time, visit them at growtoday.fm forward slash 42 or find that link in the description. Please also support me. There's three easy ways. First, share a quote on Twitter or LinkedIn. Tell a friend about this podcast. Second, join the Grow Today mailing list where you'll get the cheat sheet directly emailed to you. And third, leave a review on Apple Podcasts so other people can find out more about this show. Well, that's it for this episode. Until the next one, this is your host, Ramley John. Keep safe. And as always, keep on growing. Passion, passion.